We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Go made two. I'll give you a name for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Corn Dog. It's called what? Corn Dog. It's not called Corn Dog. Oh, yeah, is it called corn dog? There's nothing better than a good corn dog with some mustard and, and uh, ketchup. But he doesn't step into the huddle and say corn dog. Oh, no, he says corn dog. He does? Peter King with Andy Reid on the uh, play that got the Chiefs a couple of touchdowns against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. They call it corn dog. There's news out of Indianapolis. Shane Steichen's been hired as their head coach. Okay, that's official? Yes. So that means here are your head coach hires. So far, Sean Payton in mm-hmm. Denver, Shane Steichen in Indianapolis, D'Amico Ryans, Houston, yep. Frank Reich, Carolina, leaving only Arizona left. Correct. We have three out of four going with an offensive-minded head coach. Three out of four. Yep. And I don't know what Arizona will do. They might be leaning defense with Lou Anaromo of um, Cincinnati. Or Gannon. Or Jonathan Gannon. Jonathan Gannon of the Eagles. Yep. So they might be leaning defense but so far three out of four offensive coaches and you had news there in the update about the bills here's a topic i'd like to want to kind of rewind friday right when we left we got the news about chad hall yeah leaving the bills as receivers coach and going to jacksonville and proceeded to argue a little bit on twitter and never really got to it so i'd like to kind of flush out this conversation here about what we should expect from the bills receivers what was right to expect blah 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 and now that they're hunting for a new Receivers coach, Zach Azani, who has been with Denver, and you tweeted out, you know, he's worked with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and, you know, there's been good development with those players. So I guess, bit of a rhetorical question, but we'll talk about it anyway. How, Joe, how much credit is a receivers coach supposed to get? Because when Chad Hall left and decided he's leaving, whether that was the Bills decision or Chad Hall's decision, doesn't matter how they arrived at it. His contract was up, and the Bills receivers coach, who had been with the team for six years, is on the move. He's going to Jacksonville. How is a regular fan supposed to know if that guy did a good job? It's tough to know, right? We don't get inside the coaches' rooms with these guys. We only see the final product, and what? Are you upset that the Bills receivers didn't develop more? I, I think the only way you can even attempt it, because I think the real the right answer is you won't know. You it's very difficult know. to know any of this stuff. The best attempt you can make at it, I think, is to look at receiver growth underneath that coach. Right? Like and you don't again know how much of that development is on that coach, but you'd have to imagine that a lot of it is. And look at what did he do with young receivers? Where they were being groomed. What did they become something? Like this guy from Denver, the first thing I looked at, I went back and looked at his Denver teams. I saw Emmanuel Sanders at the top of the list for each ignore it. Because he's thirty three. Okay, so veterans don't count. Yeah. At least to that level, right? That guy's established. Okay. Um and his production remained the same when he had this coach versus previous coaches. But Cortland Sutton came into the league under this coach. And Tim Patrick came into the league under this coach. And Jerry Judy. And, okay, 
three guys that all entered the league with this guy as their receiver coach and all became pretty good receivers. Like, again, that's one way of attempting it without, again, knowing would Cortland Sutton have become a good receiver anyway? He was a second-round pick, right? He was a second-round pick. And Jerry Jerry Judy's a first-round pick. Tim Patrick was a sixth. Is he the one I want to grab onto for this? Do you made something out of nothing? I mean, you could. You could try. Do you really but want to? But you could to? do that with Chad Hall with Gabe Davis a little, you couldn't you? You could do that with... Right. Didn't Gabe Davis become a nice player as a fourth-round pick? And, you know, as you're attempting to d- decide what a receiver's coach gets credit for, Cole Beasley's a no. Cole, I, Cole, Cole Beasley came here and had the best years of his career. Is John Brown right. a no? So maybe is it just... What did you? What did they do with you in comparison to elsewhere? Is Stefan Diggs a no? Diggs was good before, came here and played with a better quarterback. Like this, this is every yeah. football conversation, right? Every football com- conversation is there are ten different variables, and we're all just trying to pick out which one was the reason that this went well. You know, if it's Josh Allen that's your quarterback, maybe that's a reason that Dak Prescott or not Dak Prescott that Cole Beasley had a big jump in his career because he. Right. Came here and played with Allen. And the same could be said of John Brown. And when those guys left, they didn't catch on anywhere else. Right. Until they came back here on practice squad deals. So so I guess you really, <laughs> you can't really know. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to know. And just to give an idea of all this stuff, it's, it's coaching fraternities. Brian Schottenheimer is still working in the league despite ne- <laughs> never yes. being good. His, his teams are never good offensively. But He's, he will always have a job. He always will have a job. Ra, uh, Rex Ryan's son is one of the potential wide receiver coaching candidates for the Lions right now. Okay. Seth Ryan. So I just think it's really tough. Who do the Bills have here? They're going to maybe go for this, this Zach Azani guy who's been with Denver. How's the hire? Fine, if they hire him. I'm sure it will be. Aaron Cromer, right? Wasn't that supposed to be a big boost to this Bills offensive line this year? Mm-hmm. Did the offensive line develop? No. Is that his fault? Right. I think the safer thing to do if you're evaluating any of this stuff is just to evaluate the investments. Because yeah. if you turn a fourth-round receiver or a fourth-round tackle or, or, or you're a part of the team that turns that guy into somebody good, then I'll give you credit for it. And if you don't, I don't think it's your fault. If right. you have two street free agent receivers and they don't develop into the same thing that two first-rounders did... I just don't think I'm going to hold it against you. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to hold it against an assistant coach here. So the Bills are, see- are, are still searching for a wide receiver coach to replace Chad Hall. The one thing about Hall that interests me is the Diggs relationship. Diggs has been very openly fond of Chad Hall. The entire receiver room has been, and he moves on. Mm. So, you know, like, I hope Diggs is good with that. But on, on these developments, oh, well, this guy developed this. Has... Should the Bills fire the defensive line coach because their defensive linemen haven't developed? Has Ed Oliver developed past a ninth overall pick? Has Rousseau? Has Epinesa? Has Basham? Have have any wow. of them? I mean, I think Rousseau's been just fine, but the rest of them have they have any of them finger quotes here developed beyond what their draft status would say they should have? No, you could argue not a single one has met the expectation. Now, is that because of the defensive line coach, or is that? Well, the Bills miss on a scouting, or is it just, no, they're right about what they should be? It could be that that it's not on the defensive line, Coach, but in football, don't how often do we hear it's a results-driven business? And if that's true of the head coach and of general managers, shouldn't it also be true of position coaches? 
if we're going to micro-analyze your specific position group and say, all right, this group has not progressed and we have not gotten what we wanted or what the investment has showed in four years, doesn't somebody pay for that? Don't we try something else? And you could look at the defensive line coach for that, couldn't you? Receiver, you would never do it on this team. No. But I, I would... I would listen to that. So that they would move on from a, a position coach because that position, you have not gotten what you wanted out of it when it's results-driven business. Especially when you've invested a lot. Like, hey, I've spent a lot of money on this defensive line. I'm not getting the results. I need a different person running the show. Whereas receiver, here, I threw this together at the last minute, didn't spend enough on it. See what you can make out of it. Did Shakir not develop? I mean, what was anybody expecting out of right. a very late round pick that it's not even that he didn't develop, they didn't include him and right. for whatever reason. And it's funny, you mentioned the defensive line coach just as an example. Sal brought this up yesterday. He is listed as a senior defensive assistant. Al Holcomb, who the, the Bills news. reportedly are bringing in, is listed, or the report was that he would be a senior defensive assistant. Maybe they are actually about to move on from their defensive line coach, and we just don't know it yet. Okay. Or maybe they'll have, will they have two senior defensive assistants. Will they take that title away from Eric Washington? They, we might. I mean, we just brought up as an example, but there, there might be a question as to whether or not he actually is going to stay on this this coaching staff. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Get a new mock draft. It. Um, oh no. Yeah. Is yeah, it yeah. going in the scare jar? It's not going in the scare jar. The Bills trade out. <laughs> hmm. Are you ready for that? Trade out completely? They trade out of the first round. Yeah. Am I ready for them to trade out of the first round? I take it back. It depends. Are I they take, taking a receiver? I take it back. They trade up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So wow, okay. this, this is mock exciting. draft at uh, NFL.com, Chad Ryder has this one. So, right, I scrolled right down to 28 where the Bills are picking, 27, 28. And they weren't there. And they weren't there at 27. It was a trade with the Seahawks. Okay, wait. Whoa. Seattle, before even looking, they have multiple first-round picks, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so (laughs) I can get really excited here, probably too much. Seattle picks 20th. I'm going to guess that's it. They do also pick 5th. But what would the Bills have to get to get to 5? Digs. This is probably (laughs) the answer. So I'm guessing it's not that. In this mock draft, Seattle does trade out of number 5 with Carolina. Okay. okay. And Carolina <laughs> takes Will Levis. And Seattle also trades out of number 20 where the Bills are. So, Jed Ryder's mock draft, Bills trade up to number 20. Yep. And take wide receiver Jordan yes. Addison. Yes. USC. Was that the guy yesterday you said was compared to Emmanuel Sanders? I believe so, yes. Comparison Love was it. Emmanuel Sanders. Love it. Oh, that would be so exciting. Legitimate deep threat, stretches out defenses, which, Chad writes, would help the team's running game. Perfect. Chad, he's got the finger on the pulse. Whatever the opposite of the scare jar is, we need to put Chad in it. To do it, Jordan Addison's a Bolitnikoff winner. In this mock draft, they move up seven spots. Yep. Eight spots. And they give up a third and a fourth to do it. Fine. Fine. Right? I mean, it's a big price. But I'm not giving up. I'm not even giving up a second. So I, I, the the volume of the picks. I guess would you rather trade a second or would you rather trade a third and a fourth? 
I, I get it that that they have they're going to need those picks more and more as the cap yeah. gets a little tougher. That's one hundred percent true. But I need that receiver. They need as many cheap contracts as possible. They need they kind of need scratch off tickets in the draft to give up a third and a fourth to move up seven spots. Is I think it's a big price. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty to Chris in Lancaster. What's up, Chris? Oh, hey, Jeremy. How's it going, guys? Um, you know, I, I just watching that Cincinnati game, and even the first Cincinnati game, which ended prematurely, of course. I got to tell you, I, I thought it starts at the top. I thought our defense was just not even in the game at all. Um, they were playing not to lose. They were they play that bend but don't break style, and against a good team like Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, they he just ate us alive. And without attacking, sitting back, and and you know the more the most frustrating part about Frazier and McDermott, and I think it starts at the top, is Jeremy. They refuse to adjust. They refuse to adjust. Um, you would have thought with 13 seconds left last year they would have learned and I really believe our head coach and our defensive coordinator plays not to lose not many people have said that but I really think it starts at the top he's great with camaraderie I think they're between he and Bean they draft well but as a game day general I I, I don't know I, I just I don't see it am I am I crazy for saying that I mean you guys agree with that at all I don't think you're crazy the thing is I playing not to lose for this team, it does work an awful lot. They've not lost a lot of games. And the style of defense that they play, they bet you won't be able to string drives together and beat them with a consistency that their offense will beat you. And that is often right. They're often very correct about that. So it's not that it's not that you're wrong. In in terms of, you know, their unwillingness to adjust. One thing you said that I I think is questionable now. Do they draft well? They haven't. Yeah. Last last couple drafts, thanks Chris. Last couple drafts, they have not gotten big time contributions from their drafts. It's two in a row. Yeah. They're whether that's okay, Rousseau, yes. Basham, nope. Epinesa, nope. Nope. Not consistent. Especially when you needed them with Miller out. When Vaughn goes down. Yeah. And, Va- and the signing of Von Miller, let's be real. If Basham and Rousseau had panned out to the best possible degree, yep. you don't sign Vaughn. No, right. You wouldn't you, have you, to. You do it because yeah. you identify it as, we don't have somebody to do this. Jerry Hughes was on this team, had good numbers and pass rush win rate, didn't get to the quarterback. They, Trent Murphy, on and on. Defensive ends, yeah. Mario Addison. They've chased pass rusher over and over and over, and finally went all the way in and said, let's just go pay the biggest ticket pass rusher we can. Right, and it was because they had to. They desperately wanted the player, and they tried everything else first. Middle, middle level, free agent contracts, and draft picks. Only after all that didn't work did they get to Von Miller. And you could say that receiver right now being at the state it is or the offensive line being in the state it is that in part the reason that is the case is because they didn't draft defensive line well had they drafted defensive line well they would have they would have money available the size of that von miller contract to use on other things that they can't because they failed when it came to defensive line picks 
or at least they didn't hit on the level they wanted to. Now, right. they did want to build the best front four in football, and for about a half a season, it looked like they might have had that. And then when Vaughn got hurt, it, it, it kind of all went away. But again, part it they had it with Vaughn, but they had it with how like what it what did it cost, right? The the Thanos Marvel uh, meme of what what did it, what did it cost to do it? It cost the Bills everything to build that defensive line, and the state that their offense is in around Josh Allen, I blame on how many efforts it took to get the defensive line right, and I do believe they have it right. When they are fully healthy, they have the defensive line right. But the 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 sheer amount of assets it cost for to get it right is why the offensive line looks very meek right now, and that the the receiving group is left wanting, and that you know the the secondary it's going to be harder to pay Edmonds. Like a lot of things are going to be harder just because you missed on Basham, you missed on Epinesa, and Rousseau is good but not quite the franchise pass rusher you might have hoped he was. 803-0550. Thanks, Chris, for the phone call. Colts hire Shane Steichen as their head coach. He's the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Eagles, another Super Bowl, another coordinator lost. Uh, that happened last time when Frank Reich left for Indianapolis. How do you like that for the Colts? Just Frank Reich leaves. When the Eagles go to the Super Bowl, they hire the Eagles offensive coordinator. Yeah. Four years, five years later, Eagles go to the Super Bowl, they hire the Eagles offensive coordinator. Let's run it back again. Right, right back to the well. It's, I don't mind that. I don't is, mind that. Th- this has got to be the new Bills Carolina connection. Just steal everybody from the Eagles. That's what that's what the Colts are doing. Listen, if I were the Colts, I would just be thanking God that they did anything that wasn't Jeff Saturday as their head coach. Yeah, or even Wink Martindale. Like they, <laughs> the guys they were interviewing was like, "Ooh, this is not going to look good," and they ended back up at a uh, an offensive coach. How many offensive coaches now are we got in the league? Like twenty. The number is tilting. It's more and more. You said three of four. Three of cycle. Three of four hires on this cycle are offensive coaches. Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. some of them replace offensive coaches, right? I mean, sure. In Indy, right. it was Frank Reich, and now it's Shane Steichen. In Carolina, it was Matt Rule, and now it's Frank Reich. Arizona, it's going to go the other way. Kingsbury, maybe the other way. And yeah. in Houston, it was Lovey Smith defense. It and might, D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, I was going to say with D'Amico Ryan's. Is that all of them? Anybody else? That I think is it. Okay. Hmm. Well, Shane Steichen, there you go. The Colts have their coach. Next one, uh, the only one left is Arizona. And we'll see what they do there. Cliff Kingsbury interviewing with a couple of different spots for their offensive coordinator position, including New England. He, he's ready to come home from Thailand. He's he's already back and doing <laughs> interviews, apparently, yeah. yeah. Unless he's doing them via Zoom. I suppose that's possible, yeah. So anyway, the Colts last year were 31st in EPA per play. 31st. Yikes. One of the worst offenses in football last year. A large part of that with Jeff Saturday, by the way. I mean, <laughs> they had Frank Reich, and they made him change to Sam Ellinger at quarterback, and they had Matt Ryan, who was yeah. just toast. Who's their quarterback this year, the Colts? A rookie, right? Isn't Matt Ryan under contract for one more year? He is. You think? But he, you think no he, way he's the week I, one starter. I don't think they go back with Matt Ryan. They no. pick fourth. Yeah, that's a rookie, right? Yeah, do they he, trade up to one? Isn't that what they should do? That's what they should do. They have been round and round going old guy to old guy to old guy since Luck retired. Yeah. Have they not just been buying time, by the way, probably wishing that Luck would unretire? Listen, the word patchwork is thrown out for offensive line all the time, a patchwork offensive line. They've been patchwork quarterbacks since Luck retired. It's Phillip Rivers 
and Matt Ryan Wentz. and Carson Wentz and like enough draft one right draft a kid Brissett for a year to remember yep. that draft a kid grow up from scratch you got Shane Steichen here you got an offensive head coach like okay yeah th- their week one starter I would bet is a rookie I like that for them and in that division in that division you know Lawrence and the Jags look like they might run it a little bit but they're not unstoppable yet. No. Titans coming back to earth. The Texans are resetting. I mean, Indianapolis could be respectable. The AFC South could have Houston's picking two. Could it be Bryce Young and CJ Stroud in the AFC South to go with Lawrence? More great young quarterbacks going to the AFC, everybody. Just the way it has to be, by the way. Yeah. Can the Bears trade? Please trade. I'm not scared of Bryce Young. Can we just get some young quarterback talent in the NFC? I want Lamar Jackson to go to the Lions more than anything on earth this offseason. I mean, Arizona's not taking a quarterback. So, nope. two of the top three teams, Chicago, three of the top four, if you take out Arizona, it's Chicago, Houston, and Indy. They could all take quarterbacks. Chicago's less likely. Yep. Unless they trade Fields. Fields did say he has not been told yet what they're doing. Should they take a quarterback? Should they, would they have told him by now? Is that, is that weird that they haven't made it clear to him what their plans are in the they, middle of February? They, there's no way they know what they're doing yet. That's it. The Bears don't know. And I think that's something because people talked like no way they're going to draft a quarterback at one. And if that was the case, that there's no way, why wouldn't you just tell Justin Fields in his exit interview because at the end of the season? if you're the Bears, you have to have all the teams that want to trade to number one think that you still want to keep it. I'm not okay, selling this right. off necessarily. Let's say they only have two bidders. But you could do that without a quarterback being the pick, right? No. You don't think like, oh, we'll pick Will Anderson here. Nope. Who I think is the Ohio State guard or uh, Alabama tackle? No, if you all want right. to drive that up all the way, you you a hold a an auction where let's say I have the pick and you Evan and you Joe both make me an offer and yeah. I think those are very nice offers. I still value it too much. You both have to up your offers instead of right. just pitting the two of you against each other. I'm actually pitting you against me. Right. So I've got to let you believe I'm not in the market to move it. Right. Makes it more expensive. If I'm the Bears, I'm at least representing that I might want that pick because I might take that quarterback. They also might have a team call them and say, hey, are you thinking quarterback? And if so, what would you want for Fields? We'll take them. So, like, to say what their plan... That, that is where I think they should be. They can get a... If nothing else, just to reset the rookie quarterback contract. That's why. Because yes. they could get an absolute haul... So it depends what you think of Young and, and and Stroud. I have not done enough on them to know like, yeah. oh, they're the same level of prospect as Fields. But if they if they were to get to a point where it's comparable, you pick the rookie because you don't have to. You have, they have to decide on whether or not pay Fields after next year, right? Mm-hmm. And reset it. Well, if it's close enough, that's why it's not that they don't. I don't think it has to be an indictment of Fields in any way. It just might mean. Listen, there's a huge offseason in front of us. We don't know what's going to happen yet. We're going to start getting that in order. They can like their quarterback just fine. I mean, it's not like a Mahomes-level commitment, or the Bills would know on Josh Allen. Right. In this case, I don't think not knowing has to be proof that they would move on from Fields. And being open to it doesn't have to mean that they hate him. Yeah, there's a lot to do. They're going to have a fun offseason, I think that's for sure. They've got like tons of money to spend, too. All right, 803 to join us here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? 
Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Contest time. Dave Matthews Band. Be caller 5 at 221-4WGR. That's 221-4947 to win a pair of pavilion tickets before you can buy them to see the Dave Matthews Band June 14th at Darien Lake Amphitheater, courtesy of Live Nation. Tickets go on sale this Friday, February 17th at 10 a.m. at LiveNation.com. What if I told you I just found a ranking of the 100 best cheeses in the world? I would say let's go start 100 from the bottom. That's probably a lot. The thing is... I'm I'm scrolling this list, uh-huh. and I ask this half kidding, how many cheeses could you name? I don't think I can get to 100. No. Could you get to 10? Oh, yeah. I can get to 10. 10? Want me to? Oh, yeah. Name those cheeses. All right. Cheddar, mozzarella, uh, pepper jack, Colby jack, Asiago, American, uh, feta, gouda, <laughs> okay, maybe this is getting harder than I thought already. You're at eight. I'm at eight. It's definitely not gonna be. There can't be a hundred cheeses. Uh, did I say pepper jack? You did, and Colby jack. I Could said you both tell the jacks? Do you know the difference between the two? Yeah, because I, I don't. I do. Colby jack is like I know just by color. Okay. Colby jack is like orange and white. Pepper jack is just white, but then it's got like the pepper. seasoning in gotcha. it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, two more cheeses. I'm already thinking of like the can I can I count like the artisan cheeses where they put bacon in it and whatnot? Does that count? Uh, I think probably those, not. I think those would count for this ranking of cheeses, but they're gonna have like three five three to five different kinds of cheddar in here, aren't they? They've got stuff I've never right. heard of. This, um, this is case, no, th- th- this is cheese. big cheese where they're talking about you know. Golka is 12th. Yeah, I don't know what that is. A smoked Polish cheese made sure. with cow's milk. There's Canestra, Brazilian mm. cheese. Nope. Like this this ranking of top 100 cheeses is is above my cheese pay grade. Goat cheese, 9. Goat cheese. I'm working to get to 10 here. This is tough. Cottage cheese, boom, 10. Wow. There we go. I don't think that counts. It's a cheese, right? Cottage cheese? I don't think that counts. I could have given you Swiss. Swiss, Swiss provolone. I didn't get to the, de- no. to the deli. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're right. They're, that, they're that all right there on the deli counter. Big you, you miss. Half of them. I see. I was doing. I'm in the cheese aisle, like where they had the big bricks. Yeah. What I should have been is in the the lunch of the deli. You said section. Colby Jack and Pepper Jack. Did you say Monterey Jack? No. There's three Jacks. It was right there for you too. Yeah. Anyway, go. What's number one on this list? Parmigiana. Parmigiana. Parmigiano. Reggiano. Parmesan. Parmesan and Romano. Are those two different things, right? Yes. Even though they're always together? Gorgonzola. Best combo in the cheese world. Parmesan and Romano. Gorgonzola came in at number two. That's there, yeah. Burrata is at three. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. What's the Munster cheese, right? Munster cheese is a thing. I got Pecorino Toscano and Pecorino Sardo. Like... Different regions of Italy are getting on this list in the top ten. So anyway, listen, March is coming, and I think I'm already brewing up a a a, bra- a cheese bracket in my mind. Wow, it's almost bracket season. It is almost bracket season. 
Like a month away? Yeah. March 1st. If you want to create a bracket March 1st, like a fun one, not like a college basketball one, you should be able to do it. It's also almost time to get pitchers and catchers to report. I saw baseball has made a couple rule changes, including when position players are allowed to pitch. When position players are allowed to pitch. Okay, so they're, you not, know, they're saying you're not allowed to just do it whenever you want? That's right. You are no longer allowed to just throw a position player on the mound in Major League Baseball. Except when? Three, one of three circumstances has to come okay. for you to do it. Number one, a position player can pitch only if, one, the leading team is up by ten or more in the ninth. Okay. So if you're up a lot. Ten or more. If you're up by ten, yeah. you can put a, a, a pitcher on, or a position player into pitch. Do they, do they draw the, light, the, right, the right line in the sand there? Ten instead of like seven? Well, to give you an idea, the trailing team can only do it if they're down by eight or more any time. Okay. So, so if it's between, if it's, if it's eight or nine, then the trailing team can do it, but the leading team cannot. Right. Okay. Or any game that goes into extra innings. Hmm. So in a regular game, you cannot throw a position player on the mound unless you are leading by 10 or down by 8. Why are they doing this? They're doing this because the games get stupid when there's a position player in? The games are already stupid, though, right, when they go in? Yeah. So I don't know why the, the, the motivation here is a little curious to me. They've also made the second base runner in extra innings permanent. Saw that. Which yeah. I think is a good idea. Yes. The good thing about this idea for baseball, all, all these, I'm, I'm actually good with all these, it kind of indicates that you are willing to change. And, yeah. you know, rule changes for your sport, just go ahead and make a change. You, you don't like the way something's going, change it. I, we didn't talk about this too much on the air. I think that they, the NFL should get rid of pushing the quarterback on quarterback sneaks. Right. I think it should go away. And I don't think it's killing the game, but I don't think it's good for the game that you now have third, fourth, whatever. It's a short yardage play, and it is too easy. If if you, as a league, develop a play that works 100% of the time, do you remove all drama competition? Yeah. Let's say like 100% of quarterback sneaks start to work with that push. It should 100% be outlawed. Because at that point, why don't you just give them the first down? Fourth and one should just be a first down. Right, just automatic. Yeah. I still want, if I'm the NFL, I want the ability to have goal line stands. It's hard enough to stop a quarterback sneak before right. they started pushing guys. Brady made 58 out of 59 at one point, and he was never pushed from behind on those. Right. So I think the rugby-style pushing forward of the pile, which came about big time in the NFL this year. They just Didn't they just make it legal? If they didn't just make it legal, everyone just figured out it was legal, and now everybody does it, and I think it's not great. I thought they just made it legal that you could push guys forward like that. At least in a, but I don't think they meant for QB sneaks to be the yeah. the reason for the rule. They were thinking more ball carrier kind of gets held up by the defense, the lineman can come push in and push forward. them forward. This is like this is different. This is designed. Designed. Yeah. Have your receivers run up behind your quarterback and push him forward. Right. The Bills would do this with Gabe Davis all year. Yep. Right. He would come in motion behind Allen. He would thrust him forward. I think they should make it. I think they should outlaw it. It should not happen. You have. Do you a think th- they will? I don't know. There's no noise about it, right? There's not a ton. Wade Phillips tweeted about it. <laughs> former, you know, <laughs> defensive coordinator. Uh-huh. He tweeted about it, and I, I saw it and thought I agree, and. 
The other thing is, Joe, every single rule change, almost every rule change helps the offense. Every one. Can the defense get one <laughs> bone here? Yeah. One. Hey, it's hard enough to stop this six foot six quarterback from falling forward one yard. Right. Can we make it so he can't also be pushed from behind? Right. And everybody's just stood up and they wait for the whistle to blow and you don't know what you're doing. I just think it's not good. I, I would I would get rid of it. I would get rid of pushing the quarterbacks. And if you want to make the rest of it pushing, you know, push the ball carrier forward, okay, you can keep all that if you really, really want to. But I don't think you should do it for the quarterbacks they, and the sneaks. They could hide behind player safety on that, couldn't they? Because That's, you you see the camera angle of those sneaks, like down below, like where the linemen are, and they are they got their heads down, and they are like it is head to head contact. All ten of those people that are like down on their knees, like trying to like get underneath. So by player safety, they could probably hide behind and say. We don't want this many QB sneaks being ran, so we'll eliminate the pushing from behind to kind of eliminate the frequency a bit. Or just the effectiveness. Yeah. It's kind of like pick plays. Why are they illegal? Too easy. Yeah. Just make those illegal. Uh, Teams could run those all day long and then like, okay, we can't do that. Sometimes it's player safety. Sometimes it's something is just too effective. Why did they move the extra point back to the 30? Because it was too easy. Too easy. Yeah. Too many of these are going through. We are removing any sort of drama. Let's get rid of it. How do you feel about my idea to eliminate an eligible man downfield? <laughs> I feel like that can't happen because of like the I, rules of the game. I mean, we got RPOs, though, all the time here where it's a, it's a, it looks like a simple pass play, and the guy can't get it. I'm not saying you can throw it to the lineman. You're just going to let them be downfield? Yeah, but they're allowed to be, if they're four or five yards down the field, I'm not going to throw a flag on them. Here's what I found. Alexa has an opinion on this as well. I guess so. My watch just talked to me. 803-0550. We'll get a phone call quickly. Johnny in Buffalo. Johnny, go ahead. You're on WGR. Hey, guys. guys. Good morning. Uh, You know, just to kind of further little discussion I heard earlier, you know, just about investing on the defensive line. And, you know, spending a lot of resources and graphics there with, you know, Epineza and Oliver and Basham and Rousseau. And then you go out and sign Von Miller to this huge contract. Not that he wasn't having a great season and not that our defensive line wasn't unbelievable with him in there. But, I mean, look at that Super Bowl. The Eagles' defensive line was unbelievable all year. And what happens when they get to the big game? Well, they just get neutralized by Mahomes and the Chiefs' offensive line. Zero sacks, didn't really have make any defensive plays. Um, and it's just this continuation to go after, you know, defensive players and, and go that route. I mean, you know, we, we signed a big free agent splash, and you're like, oh, we finally got our DN. But it's a guy who plays, what, 50%, 60% of the defensive snaps. And, you know, you look on the other side, who else could we have possibly signed that year? Um I'm thinking receiver-wise or offensive line-wise. Uh, look at what Cleveland did. They traded for Amari Cooper and Cooper's contract and Von Miller's contract. Very similar. I'd much rather have Cooper and try to fill up fill out the offensive line that way. I'm just worried that, and it might just be me, but watching the Super Bowl, watching these offensive-minded coaches get their best players and their best playmakers involved. I mean, we have a playmaker in Cook. And we had a speed guy in Hines. And Hines will always give us that euphoric moment on those kickoff returns after the Hamlin thing. It's just we, don't, we weren't putting those guys in the positions to use them the right way. And 
I just feel like, you know, as much as his team does, and, you know, people can complain about the defense, like, you know, bending but not breaking and not making big plays, we just need to score points and get as many possessions as possible to give Josh Allen, who is obviously the best player on the field 99% of the time he's on the field, more opportunities to have the ball. And I feel like this team sometimes wins, and and Allen and this offense, they win in spite of the coaching staff, in spite of the game day decision. You know, like, I feel like a a kid playing Madden could almost coach better in these late-game situations, in these second-half situations with the lead. I mean, we blew a game against Minnesota, which obviously – you know, we win that, we, we'd lock up that one seed, and okay, everybody's got to come to our place. But little things like this, it's like how many times are we going to get to these moments in the playoffs and let it pass us by and say, you know what, we'll learn from it next year. You know what, we'll learn yep. from it next year. Thank- and it's these things that are just driving me up a wall, guys. Thanks, Johnny. I, I think a lot, <clears throat> a lot of what you say, there are a couple points in here that I remember feeling the same thing and wondering the same thing. I think if you wonder about an offensive coach versus a defensive coach, it's fair. That is fair to wonder. Doesn't have to be a problem, but it, you know, here we are waiting to see on Ken Dorsey. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to say, well, year one was about growth, okay, that's fine. I, I understand that. Understand that you threw a Super Bowl window at a rookie year, a rookie play caller. That was a, that's a decision. Mm hmm. And you might have to do that again. If he has a very good year next year and gets a job, are you doing it again? Or did you think, we shouldn't do that again? Is, is that ultimately the lesson you get out of this? To the point about Vaughn, you know, I, Vaughn is fun on this team. And he did the job. He understood the assignment. He did the job. My feeling when they drafted Rousseau and Basham was, I don't think you beat Mahomes by getting to him. And they didn't get to him really that much that year. And then they bring in Vaughn, and they beat him this year in, in what, October? And it really looked like the defense had rounded into its final form of what it was supposed to be, and there was a lot to like about that. However, your point about snap percentages, it does make sense to me. I agree with it. Spending all those picks, half the reason you have to spend them all is because you play them 60% or 55%. Mm-hmm. Gabe Davis plays 95% of your snaps. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to spend a bigger asset on somebody that plays 95% of the snaps as opposed to 55%? And how many plays does Davis make a game? Or how many times are you counting on him to make a play in a game? You're throwing to him six, seven times, eight times. Mm-hmm. A defensive end, if they have a great game, they make two plays, yeah, three plays. It's just, it is asking, it's spending a lot for a position that, Makes two to three plays a game. Granted, they can be game-changing plays, but I think it—you know—I think everything you said is fair to wonder about where they place their priority. The good news is, all the stuff they've invest, invested in the defensive line—it's all staying. Not all of it, but a lot of it, right? Oliver will be here. Hopefully, he can have a better year. Vaughn, Rousseau, Basham—a lot of these pieces are still going to be there. Epinesa—they're all still going to be here. So, the investment that they placed in that defensive line. Hopefully this year it's healthy in this upcoming year. We're talking at the end of the year that they won it because their line was so good. And maybe that frees them up to 
tilt things back towards the offense. Like you said, you blame their offensive struggles on overspending on their defensive line and the defensive yep. side of the ball. Well, okay, they spent, they can keep it all there, and now focus on their offense. Yes. Even though this is not what they probably had in mind. Why did they do all that? I mean, Caller brings up the snap counts. They probably wanted, in their dream world, what did they want to have happen? They wanted three or four defensive ends so that every snap defensively, they were going to be a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks. They were just going to be after you. They were going to be one of the best pass rushes in football. And that was going to be three, four individuals deep. And what we just saw is it's one deep. You take one guy out of the equation, and suddenly you're average to below average as a pass rush unit. And I think what Bean wanted, clearly, by all of the picks and contracts he put at it, was four or five guys, doesn't matter who's out there, this defensive line is going to be a nightmare for you. And it is not. It's Von Miller. Yeah, and after that, I mean, Jordan Phillips being hurt most of the year. Sure. Daquan Jones missed that game against Cincinnati. Big loss. It's Jeremy and Joe, Extendo Sports on the way in the Extra Point Show here on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. All right, conspiracy theory time, Joe. What do we got? I'm in. I love a good conspiracy theory. Yeah. As long as it's not... Dangerous. No, this one's a, a fun one that I think you'll like. So, the Bills' social media posts of late. Today they've posted a bunch of uh, Valentine's Day cards you can oh, print good. out and give to people. Will you be my Valen, Alan, time? Mmm, good. You're yeah. a catch with a picture of Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, can't hide my feelings for you <laughs> with Micah Hyde. Those are the I like the puns. Yeah, very, very good. You knocks my socks off, Dawson Knox. Um, all about that bass. Wow, they really went after it with the Tyler Bass one. And then there's uh, Reed Ferguson, just says nice. Yeah. So they're going in on this, which is great. Last week they posted, no, not last week, Monday, after the Super Bowl. There was a social media post, a picture of like next year, on to next year, right? Yes. Yeah. And a bunch of pictured players. You know who was not pictured? Jordan Poyer. Tremaine, and Tremaine Edmonds and Devin Singletary. That's right. All the free agents. That's right. Free agents were not pictured, so that's maybe that's just a team policy. We can't feature free agents. Like yeah, because James Cook was on that picture, that big poster of on to next year. And uh-huh. sure enough, in the Bills' new post, social media team about Valentine cards you can print out and get to people. The first group of four is Allen Diggs, Von Miller, and number four is James Cook. That's RB1 status. He's being marketed as RB1. He's getting a little bit of love on social. I've told you I think he's going to be the starting running back. I think I agree, yeah. Why not? It could very well, though, just be team policy. Like, hey, don't put the free agents in there because we don't really know what's going to happen. We don't want people reading into it. Okay, but where's Naheem Hines? He's not getting that love. No, yeah. no, I know. You're, Cap casualty. You're you're probably right. Would they ask the football department? Give us a list of guys that we can use. I mean, maybe it would just be don't ask the football department. They're busy. Just don't don't use guys that are under contract as of a month from now. Free agents. All right, we got to get a break in. Sales on the way. Extra point show coming up here on WGR.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.